Dhammo Sadanto Suche Doye Lahudi Sanmiya O San Putoshe Shang Shen Shen Wei Miao Fa Bai Qian Wan Che Nan Zao Yu Wo Jin Jen Wan De Shou Chi Yan Jie Ru Lai Zhen Shi Yi The Unsurpassed Deep Profound Subtle Wonderful Dharma In a Hundred Thousand Million Eons Is Difficult To Encounter Now That I Have Come To Receive And Hold It Within my sight and hearing, I vow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Venerable Master, Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture tonight. It's Saturday, April the 2nd, the day after April Fools. In 2011, we're here in Berkeley, California, looking into the Flower Adornment Sutra. And we're in the Ten Grounds section. So please turn to, first of all, the title page of your sutra text in front of you, and we'll recite the name of the sutra in the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the assembly. Namo Please turn to page 20 and 21. By the way, tonight we'll be going to nine. There's uh, 
a lot of activities that uh, are going to happen that require some preparation more than usual. And we also have a special treat tonight for everybody. So I won't say more about that until the time comes. Keep you all from false thinking about that. And you won't be able to hear the sutra. How compassionate of me, right? You're just teasing, I know. We're down at the very bottom paragraph, the bottom, bottom, on page 20 and 21. Okay, can we read in Chinese first? Yo zuo shi nian. Yi chie zhong shang. Fun beer be war. Fun beer be war. Do Zheng Chen Hun. Chiran Bushi. Wodang Ling Bi. Chu Yu Wu Shang. Da Tsu Zhong. Over to the right, he further makes the following reflection. All living beings make distinctions between self and others and mutually destroy each other. Their fighting and enmity rage without cease. I should teach them to stay in unsurpassed great kindness. Okay. The, uh, the Bodhisattva is the one we're talking about, someone who is following, following the, uh, the path of the Abhatamsaka Bodhisattvas and trying to be as selfless and as big-hearted as possible. And the sutra takes us into that ideal, that generic person's mind, and shows us his, her thoughts what that person, what a bodhisattva is thinking, which is a very neat window that we get into the bodhisattva's mind. And it gives us an actual first-person quote. This is what the bodhisattva is thinking as he or she looks out into the world. He, she says, all living beings, make divisions, distinguish, separate Self and others, you could say we versus them or us versus them. My party, your party, my team, your team. My country, your country. My family and your family. And because of that, Mutually, Hu Xiang is back and forth. Po Huai, break and hit and break. Po is to, to break open, Huai is to harm. So we break and harm. You think the Buddha's right? That's, that's pretty harsh. Yi Che Zhong Shang Fen Bie Bi Wo, Hu Xiang Po Huai. All living beings make divisions between me and you, my group, your group in crowd, out crowd, self and others, and based on that, 
not content to just notice the difference, but actually go and, and take action based on the difference. Goes deeper. What else? Dou zheng chen hen. Dou zheng is struggle, fighting. Zheng is, is uh, if you look at that second word, zheng, the right-hand side is the word for fight. The left-hand side is the word for words. So it means to argue. It can also, it's also used for um, debate, for lawsuits, etc. So verbal conflict. Chen Hun. Chen is anger. That's the anger of our formula, greed, anger, and stupidity, the Buddha's basic description of what every person has in his or her mind. Greed, anger, chen, and then chen is hatred. Takes it into the next realm, to the next step. Actual hatred. Chiran bushi burns on no rest. Goes on and on. This kind of enmity and anger and hatred doesn't stop, says the Buddha. So that's the um, that's the first the first prescription. That's the first salvo, the first uh, theme that the Buddha, the Bodhisattva here, the Bodhisattva's voice, shows us what the Bodhisattva is thinking of. What's the Bodhisattva thinking? He's reflecting on how living beings fight with each other, how we fight with each other. Okay, so we've got four sentences. Then, he, based on that, he says, the Bodhisattva says, Wodang, I should. Right away you know there's a, there's a vow coming up. There's a change of heart. He says, Wodang Lingbi, I should get them. I should make them. I should cause them. I should get it so that, you know, work it out so that. So that they, instead of fighting, 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 that they stay, they abide, they dwell in Wushang, the highest, the most supreme. Da great kindness. Okay, that's that's a uh, what kind of a thought. This is it's almost like a, a doctor who says, "I see that all these living beings have uh, a virus. I should get them the right medicine and keep them from infecting each other." It's almost like that. He's, he's looking at us. It says living beings, but living beings sounds a little abstract. It's much more concrete if you put a face on it. He's saying living beings just fight all the time. It never stops. So I should get them instead of having that fighting attitude to live in kindness. Thoughts, great kindness. That's what he says. Okay. There's a good bodhisattva's thought, right? Um, I'm sure this statement was true when it was first spoken back in the Buddha's lifetime, but 
Is it ever true now? It's more true. When I first um, encountered this thought, he says, people are fighting. I should get them to stop and be kind instead, he says. That's basically the whole idea. When I first read this, the, um, the battle lines were different than now. So it's interesting to, I've been hearing this for about 30 years now. And I remember back when, when I first heard this, around Gold Mountain Monastery, the number one conflict that popped into everybody's mind was between Taiwan and China. It really, really was. There was such a blood enmity and such anxiety that everywhere I went, and I, at that point I had my Taiwanese green card. I was a landed immigrant in Taiwan, so I definitely had picked sides already. And also, you couldn't go to China. There was no way that I could cross into China at that point. And there were, boy, I remember the day that uh, one of our Dharma protectors at Taipei Fajia, our monastery in Taipei, came in and said, I want you all seriously to consider moving to New Zealand, he said, or Australia, or Canada, but get out of Taipei. Why do you say that? Guodong. So he said, well, my brother grew up in China. He never came across. He's been in, he grew up in China. He's in the military. He works on a missile battery in Xiamen. And they got the orders to train the missiles on Taipei, he said, last week. He said, I want all of you to leave. He said, because my brother shouldn't be saying these things and he would be in big trouble if he knew that, you know, that if, if it got back that he had done this, but he wanted his family in Taiwan to know that now is the time to leave. So he comes into our, our Dharma Center and, and gives us that information. You know, it's like, well, thank you very much, I'm sure. <laughs> We'd be better off not knowing stuff like that. So... That was how tight, how nervous it was. There was a time when the Chinese did missile tests. They did what was called war games, and they actually shot missiles, not at Taiwan, but up into the air and down into the Taiwan Straits. And the population of the Chinese, the Taiwanese population of New Zealand, Australia, and Canada boomed. There was, uh, I know because there were a lot of Buddhists who went to us, to New Zealand, Australia, and Canada during that time. And some came to the U.S. Just because it looked really a whole lot like there was going to be a hot shooting war between Taiwan and China. Well, the only thing that came from China to Taiwan these days is tourists. <laughs> Lots of tourists. 
um, and diplomats and businessmen from Taiwan to China. So it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And my point is to say that growing up with that awareness of the potential, and I remember walking around downtown Taipei and thinking, what if missiles came raining down right on top of, of uh, Zhongshan Beilu? You know? uh, Yilingyi hadn't been built at that point, so I couldn't, but Ximanding and Taida and the Gugong, you know, what if the Gugong vanished in a cloud of dust and smoke and flames? How would you react? You know, and I was seeing it in front of my eyes. I was walking around Taipei. So um, the fear was real. And you'll notice, everybody knock on wood, right? Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So that's one. Here's the other one. My ancestors are Irish on my father's side and Scottish on my mother's side. And I've always felt strongly connected to Ireland. Maybe some of you in the room have some sense of the current, the, the recent history of Ireland. But Ireland was divided between north and south very bitterly. Um, we have what? North Korea, South Korea. What else do we have? We've got, we had North Vietnam, South Vietnam. Um, <clears throat> we've had conflicts in the Sudan, dividing, just draw a line in the dirt, and over there is the enemy. Over here is okay. We've had Yugoslavia break up, Serbo. Croatia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that has all come and gone in our memory. Ireland is the one that I was connected to most because when I went to college in early 70s, one of my professors was Arthur Kennedy. And Professor Kennedy was the, uh, the, the resident at my dormitory when I was a freshman in college. He was the faculty member who, who lived there and tried to keep, keep us relatively sane. And he spent about three months or four months out of every year in Ireland. Uh, YC, would you mind turning that light off? That, that blinking uh, is a kind of a Morse code. I'm thinking it's a signal coming from extraterrestrials. But if I pay attention to it, then I can't lecture, so... So we'll ask him to send that signal later when we're not lecturing. So Professor Kennedy would go to Ireland, and he was politically involved. He was there in our political science department at my little liberal arts school in Michigan. And he would go to Dublin. I don't think he went to Belfast, because Belfast was a war zone. It's, it was a city where you didn't know if you went out in the wrong part of town, if you'd come back at night without being arrested, without being beaten, without being shot, 
without being blown up by bombs or just come through and get picked up, sent to prison. That happened for years. And it was very, very grim. Professor Kennedy would come back and we would ask him, what did you find out? What's it like? What's going on? And he would just get this kind of far away look in his eye and say, He's, you'll just have to wait and read about it, he would say. You just have to wait and read about it. I'm not at liberty to say, he would say. And everybody had a side. As soon as you show up, you have to announce what side you're on. So that's a bitter, 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 bitter stew of exactly what the sutras talk about. Now, the reason I bring it up is not to bum you out to talk about grief, but to say things are better now in Ireland. That kind of uh, instant warfare that was going on, a civil war, is not happening right now. And there was a bomb that went off yesterday in Belfast. Um, they're trying to bomb policemen's automobiles somehow. They're booby-trapping the, the bottoms of cop cars. And apparently they blew the legs off a couple, but it's not like before when bombs would go off indiscriminately in the supermarkets and things. So things got way, way better in Ireland. And at the time, it was so bad that it seemed like there was no hope. So, point I'm making is China and Taiwan, that ugly, awful family quarrel didn't happen. Northern Southern Ireland, after Republic in the North, after Decades of bloodshed and hatred is now better. So, that's just to say two in our lifetime of these blood feuds improved to the point where people are not actively killing each other. So, just to say, there are some bright lights. This is, it's not only one way. Now, if you look at Africa, um, there, okay, perfect. If you want to have the most, surely the most dramatic success story is South Africa. Um, I don't know how much genuine um, healing has happened, but certainly some has. When um, the... African National Congress finally prevailed and the South Africans could elect their own government. And when Nelson Mandela came out of prison and went on to become the first publicly elected president of South Africa, that was a huge, huge, huge victory for goodness. And then it was followed by this peace and reconciliation process 
where the men and women, mostly men, who had treated South African black people and coloreds as uh, animals, as objects to be beaten, humiliated, killed, raped, hung, jailed, um, dehumanized. Those people who had done that got up in a public court and confessed, said they did these things, and the empowered council made up of citizens said, we forgive you. Let's make one Africa, the rainbow nation. Boy, that that was unbelievably good, to have this peace and reconciliation. If, If people don't know the story, I recommend that you go look up peace and reconciliation process in South Africa after the apartheid ended and it became the rainbow nation. It will give you hope that such things can can happen. Okay, so these are big, big, big political, geographic, racial, historical events that have happened in our lifetime as former enemies put down their weapons and decide to do something else with their lives. All right. There's a, a description in the Buddha Sutras of periods of time. <coughs> it's divided into three, three different periods. And the key to it is how near or far to the Buddha's lifespan, to the Buddha's lifetime, are we living. The three periods are the what's called Zheng Fa, proper Dharma the time of the, the Dharma's flourishing. And that's when the Buddha is alive and then 500 years after. That's considered to be the, the proper Dharma, the, the time of the Dharma's flourishing. And understand that our, the Buddha that we take as our historical Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, is one of many Buddhas. So anytime a Buddha appears, the next 500 years is considered the Cheng Fa, time of the Dharma's flourishing. During that time, many, many people wake up. All you have to do, they say, is see the Buddha, see his Sangha, his his community of monks and nuns, or hear the Buddha or his Sangha speak the Dharma, and it can trigger your own wholesome qualities, and you can wake up. People wake up all the time. Sometimes just hearing the sound of the Buddha's voice, watching him teach, hearing the things he says, making an offering to the Buddha. They say all of those things are okay, good enough causes, because why? It's a time when blessings are full. They, 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 in the, the sutras that describe this, they talk about the environment at this time. They say that the 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 environment reflects the presence of this sage. They say that the water at, the, at that time is so nutritious that drinking water can actually keep you fully nourished and alive. If you drink milk from cows that live at that time, eating the grass of that time and drinking the water of that time, that milk is like 
ambrosia, nectar, it's just the finest of foods. You don't need anything else. So everything is stepped up. If you drink tea, can you imagine what the tea would taste like? I just it would I knew you were thinking that, right? The tea at that time would be so good that one cup would do you a lifetime. Tea shops would go out of business everywhere. Nothing you don't need more than a cup, you know. Why drink two cups? One is plenty. So uh, it's a wonderful time, and the animals are big, and people's bodies are big and healthy, and lifespans are long. It's the proper Dharma age. Unfortunately, it doesn't last. Time marches on, and there's another thousand-year period, they say. And the amount of time of these three is different. People disagree about how long each one is. Let's say a thousand years. It's called the Dharma image age. Xiangfa Shidai. There's Zhengfa, there's Xiangfa. Xiangfa means semblance, the image. So in the Dharma image age, we have Buddha images, which don't exist in that early time because you have the Buddha and his memory and his Sangha. In the Dharma image age, we have these images everywhere of Buddhas, bodhisattvas, arhats, and sages. We have um, the sutras not in the air anymore, but made into text. This is when the sutras emerge. Here, there. And it's a time when people are still full of blessings, but it's harder to wake up. Our minds are more complicated, and people uh, start to do things for themselves. You just think you're further away from your own nature. You've got coverings on your nature. That lasts a thousand years. Then we move into our current age, which is called the Dharma's ending age. Mofa should I. So we have Chengfa, Xiangfa, Mofa. The time of the Dharma's demise, the Dharma's ending is a time what they call It's a time when people are strong in conflict. Strong in conflict to the point that it's really hard to stay together in this Dharma ending age. How long is it? It says it, it begins, some people say, 1,500 years from the Buddha's own lifetime, and it lasts until the end of the planet, which has a, definitely our planet has a death day, our world. So, 500 years, that takes us to about Gongyuan, right? To takes us to basically the time of Jesus, the common era. So, zero, that's first century, because the Buddha was roughly fifth century BCE. Okay, then 500 years into the next millennia. So essentially the 5th century AD or CE, the common era. So in other words, from the Tang dynasty on was the beginning of the Dharma image, the Dharma ending age to the present. We're solidly in the Dharma's ending age. What is it like? Well, the environment has degraded so badly that if you drink milk now, it's like the water of the past. And if you drink water now, there's nothing to it. It's mostly poison, right? 
It's got all kinds of bad stuff in it. You can't drink it. You take it from the tap and you don't want it. So it's everything in the Dharma ending age has moved away from the time of the Buddha's dwelling, the Buddha's existence, from the Dharma image age into the Dharma ending age. What do people do mostly? Not get enlightened when we hear the Buddha, hear the Dharma, see the Buddha, see his Sangha. We don't make images and cultivate. Instead, we simply find reasons to, let's get out of here. I'm out of here. Think about it. What institution these days lasts? Marriage? It's a toss-up. Whether after three years you'll still be married if you get married today. Half don't. Within three years, they're gone. What about companies? My dad got a job right out of law school and kept it. My dad worked for Toledo Scales, no springs, honest weight, right? The scales that you saw in the in Woolworths and in the butcher shop and in the red in the grocery store. He worked for Toledo Scales for twenty plus years. Now people get a job with a startup and expect to be out of there in 18 months. Cash out. Because the, the company itself may not be there. 18 months is not a bad lifestyle, lifespan for companies in, in uh, Silicon Valley, so in the high-tech world. So what lasts? Teams? When I was a kid, boy, am I sounding like an old fart, huh? When I was a kid, we had... Two baseball leagues, the National League and the American League, by golly. And there were, what, eight teams in each one? And you, you know, my favorite was, I, I was a Detroit Tigers fan, and we had Harvey Keene, who was the right fielder, and Rocky Colavito, who was a center fielder, Al Kaline. And um, when, you, you, when a ball player played with a team, I mean, Mickey Mantle is associated with the New York Yankees. He wasn't a free agent. What's with free agent? It just becomes like a gladiator, somebody you hire to kill, and then he goes on. You pay him, and he's gone, like a mercenary. When I was growing up, if you, you were a team fan for life, and those players didn't trade around. You know, Yogi Berra caught catcher for the New York Yankees. So... Now people, players, the, the Giants, the, the day after the Giants won the World Series, they were all talking about who's going to leave next year, who's going to stay, like free agent stuff. You just go for money only, no loyalty whatsoever. So what in the Dharma ending age lasts? It's really hard to stay related. Think about that, how hard it is to have any kind of connection between one other person or multiple people that lasts. It's a feature of the Dharma ending age. This is a time where we are strong in struggle, strong in strife. Struggling is strong. So, <coughs> what do we make of that? Um, one thing is to say that at this time, creating anything with other people that lasts is kind of heroic. 
Imagine if instead of thinking, boy, we're going to make the best orchestra ever. Instead, that wasn't your goal. Your goal was to make an orchestra that lasted three years. No matter how good it is, but one that lasted. We're going to play together for three years before we leave. It's for our better, better situation. Tough, huh? It's so much the case that we, our, our friendships are now as long as it takes to click accept request on Facebook. Accept, click, we're friends. Okay, that's good. That's what we're doing. It's what people, it's like instant and unfriend. Change your email address. So, there we are. Think about that, how interesting that to stay together is almost heroic. It takes a real resolve to say, no matter what, this relationship is going to stay around. Um, to the point that, remember, I told you that amazing story about when I go down to lecture to the Tsuji youth, Tsuching, down in San Jose, the, uh, we had a topic ready to go, and I was getting my talk together, and I got a phone call, actually from Valerie, who's one of the organizers, teachers there at Tsuji Youth. She said, Dharma Master... Uh, the coordinator of the the children's program asked me to ask you, could you please talk about why brothers and sisters are valuable and necessary? I was like, get real. What are you talking about? No, really, she said. The parents and the grandparents and teachers are saying that. They're shocked and scared because even Jie and Mei older sister and younger sister, are fighting like cats and dogs because the younger sister wants some time, we call it quality time, with her older sister. And her older sister was downloading at the time and snarled, get away, leave me alone. And the younger sister was so upset by that that she went to try to commit suicide because this was her big sister and her big sister was snarling at her because she was downloading at the and. And the mom was shocked and said, we got to do something, call the monk. <laughs> I live alone. I, you know, my brother's in Pennsylvania and my sister's in Ohio. You know. So uh, that was, and she, not only that, she said, teachers at schools are saying that they find that the former solid, strong ties between siblings don't matter as much as virtual friends. People are much, much, much more into their virtual friends that they get through their social networks than they are their flesh and blood siblings. Flesh and blood siblings are a pain in the neck and they don't go away. You can't shut them down. They're still there being nasty, you know. So how interesting that we are closer into the the Dharma-ending age where... Even blood relationships don't matter as much as they used to. How interesting. Where are we going? What, what's next? How, far, how much further can you fragment a family? I mean, I'm not saying we're supposed to go back to the way it was. I don't think we can. But my question is, do we have a model for what we're heading towards? Is there any guarantee that we're going to have a different, solid kind of relationship? Or is it just going to... Fragment further. Interesting, huh? So, these are qualities of the Dharma ending age. Do zheng jian gu de shi hou. 
a time when we are strong in conflict. What does it say? 分别逼我,互相破坏,斗争嗔恨,吃然不息。How come some people, you look at them, and you just know that, that you can't trust them? Other people look at you and probably feel the same way. And there are other people who, when you look at them, you think, oh, that person can finish my sentences. We're so, so much in sync and harmony. What's going on? How come you see one person and you think, that's my future husband? That's my future spouse? And you look at someone else and you think, that person could kill me. What if that's the same person? Then you're in trouble, aren't you? <laughs> that's my spouse and they could kill me. Um, so, what is really going on with these, this whole business of relationships? Very complicated. Um, guys, can we fill in over on the far side? Just grab a cushion and fill in the aisle over there. Great. Because there will be more behind you, I think. <coughs> so, the Buddha answers his own question. He says, Buddha says, I should... Let them ling. This word ling literally means make, cause. I should get it, get them to zhu, to stay, live in, stop in, dwell in, abide in, be there in da Great kindness. Grab a seat if you can find a corner, just not in the aisle, okay? You can slide into the group here. So, what is Tatsu? What is that? That's the key to this paragraph. The Bodhisattva, speaking for the Buddha, says the answer to this description of struggle, 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 fighting for self and others, is to get everybody to live in Tatsu. So, it's, it's great, it's not just ordinary Tsu. What is Tsu? Kindness. There's not much doubt that that's kindness. If anybody wants to place it, where have I heard that word before? Si. Suppose you put another word behind it. Ji. Oh, si ji. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. Si ji. This is the character. The Buddhist Tsuji Compassionate Relief Foundation of Taiwan with Zheng Yin, Shangren, in charge. Siji Gong De Hui, okay? We'll find out more about them tomorrow, by the way. Okay, what is Tsu? Take a look at it. This is one of those words that's, it's not side by side, the two parts of the character, it's above and below. The part above is the phonetic. It's just a sound, Tsu. That's such an interesting sound. Okay, we're going to have a little... Chinese language lesson, right this minute. Can everybody say it's? It's. It's like the San Francisco ice cream sandwich, it's it, right? They say it's. Okay, bits. The pits. Okay, good. That's is the sound. 
In English, it is not an initial sound. It's the ending sound. T-S or T-apostrophe-S. It's. When you take that T's and you put it in the front, what have you got? S-S. The, the second sound is like an E or U-H, like duh, right? So you go T-S-U-H. You can all say that beautifully. Did you know you've just learned a Chinese word? Mandarin word. Kindness. Okay, great. Now say, how do you say G-E-E? <laughs> no, wrong. It's not J, it's G. G-E-E, like G-Wiz. Okay, everybody say G-Wiz. G-Wiz. Okay. We have that in English, right? G-Wiz, dude. Okay, Tsuji. How do you spell it? T Z U C H I. Nobody looks at T Z U and goes Tsu, right? So you look at the name of the Taiwanese disaster relief and you think, I can't say that. In fact, you can. You've already said it. Tsuji. Tsuji. Compassionate rescue. Tsuji. That's the name of the disaster relief organization that has been going for 40-plus years now and is totally off the radar in terms of news. Nobody ever hears any American newscaster dare to say Tsuji. They don't dare because they can't, we don't have TZU in our vocabulary. You say Tsuchai, Tzu, Tzu. No, the Buddhists. The Buddhists are here. Red Crescent, Red Cross, Oxfam, and the Buddhists. They never dare attempt Tsuji. They can't, because we don't have TZU. Those two consonants don't come together in English, right? But we say it. It's just the problem of the spelling. Okay, well, the Chinese solved it. That's the Taiwanese, TZU. The Chinese solved it. They spelled it in a much better way. C-I. Kai, right? How did the Chinese Han Yu Pinyin? How do they spell C I? Bad choice. Okay, nobody's going to look at C I who speaks English and go C. No way. We go Kai or Sai, right? Sai Ji. No. So it's Suji because of their name are doomed to invisibility. You won't find them. I just told this story yesterday to Shirley Liang, their CEO, sitting in the, in the kitchen, and she said, 100% right. Hung Shur Fasher has it right, she said. That's the problem. Oh, too bad. It's really sad. So Tsuji in the English-speaking world is still absolutely invisible, even though they do the hardest work. When the tsunami hit Banda Aceh in Sumatra, right, Suji was the first one there, the last one to leave, after having built something like 1,500 uh, temporary housing and permanent housing, right? They flew three 747s into Rwanda. Rwanda was a decade ago. They've been doing this forever. They flew thousands of tons of antibiotics into Kosovo when, that, when the Balkans were blowing up. They were on the ground in 9-11 the first day. They were among the first 
into Katrina after New Orleans. Haiti, they're in Haiti now, hugely into Haiti. They're, they're in Hurricane Mitch in Ecuador, right? Or Honduras, Honduras. So Tsuji goes there first, stays, puts their palms together after they give something to someone and says, thank you for giving me the opportunity to give. So just to say, that's an example of this word the second tone, by the way. Everybody say first tone with me. Wow, your Chinese has improved. It's true. Good. Four tones of Mandarin. Got to know which one is which. This is a two. Terrific. What tone is the G? Good. G. Excellent. Wow. So now you know. You'll see them tomorrow when you come for our musical event. The blue uniforms are Tsuji. We're having the CEO of Northern, the Northwestern California region here tomorrow. So, um, what is Da Tsu? The Buddha described it. Oh, I, I didn't tell you. The Tsu is the phonetic part. That whole riff was on the top half of the character. The bottom half of the character is heart. That's an actual picture of the ventricle, the aorta, the, the blood vessels coming in and out of the heart, right? That, that's a shin underneath. So, obviously it has to do with the heart. Kindness has to do with the heart. Um, the interesting thing about kindness, as Master Xuanhua gave it to us, he gave us two phrases. Usually, tsu is connected to bei, which is compassion. In, in Mahayana, they say kindness and compassion, tsu bei. And the bei is compassion. It's paired with tsu, kindness. They say, wu yuan da tsu, tong ti da bei. Great kindness, even for people with whom you don't have a connection. Kindness, great kindness for people who are strangers to you, or even worse. People who you feel an antipathy with, kind of not my kind of person. You still share a feeling of connection with them. Wu yuan da tsu, great compassion even for those with whom you may you might not share any connection. And tong ti da bei same body, great compassion. Great compassion for beings with whom you identify totally. Identity with, same as. Earth, same. Air, same. Fire, same. Water, same. Buddha nature, same. Tong ti. Same body, da bei, great compassion. And wu yuan da tsu, great kindness for beings with whom you don't have any particular connection. Right? If you think across political borders, right? America is politically hot these days. Radioactive hot. 
with the emergence of a third party and a very good president who some people are just determined to get rid of at any cost. Whatever he proposes, they oppose it just because he proposed it. That seems to be, you know, the political climate of 2011. And imagine feeling with those people, yeah, we're one. We have your best interests at heart. We want no harm to come to you. We want you to be peaceful and happy, etc. How about people who speak a different language than we do? People who eat very different food. People who actively dislike us. Can we feel thoughts with them? Tough. Suppose they are Vietnamese communists and we live in Southern California. It's harder, isn't it? Suppose they are, I am a person uh, who grew up on a reservation. I'm a Cherokee Indian or a Kiowa Indian or a Comanche or an Apache and I know that the white people around me took my ancestors just a few generations back and poisoned them with blankets, gave them blankets that had been infected with smallpox hoping that they would die sooner and they did. And I grew up when my realm was as far as I could ride a horse in a month. That was all Comanche, Cherokee, Apache land. And I grew up in a 300-acre pen, like an animal. How about that? Do you still care about those people? Do you, do you feel unconditional? Harder, huh? The Buddha is saying, right. Suppose you are um, a human who has many dietary choices, And you choose to eat the flesh of other creatures to nourish your body when all the information tells you that it's going to shorten your life. And you still do it. And you have to work that out. Okay, I'm not going to preach on it. I know that's uncomfortable for some of the people listening tonight. So I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. I'm just saying there are choices. We have choices, some that are wiser and more harmless than others, and Tatsu would definitely choose the kinder choice, one that, that causes less harm. So, but we, there are many, many conditions in that decision from day to day, and I know how it goes. Um, so, this is what's at stake when you hear Tatsu, Wuyan Tatsu, great kindness for everyone, including people with whom beings with whom you don't have any particular connection. Let's make it more complicated. Suppose somebody invades us militarily and the bombs are dropping and these very weird goon-like creatures come marching through the streets and grab your brother or your uncle, your dog, your car, confiscate your car, move somebody into your house and put you down into the basement. How hard that would be, right? And the Buddha is saying, right, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That is Tatsu. 
So this is really not so simple as it sounds. It's way, way beyond warm and fuzzy. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. The brotherhood of man. That's easy to say, but when it comes right down to it, oh my goodness, how tough this is to really see it that way. And yet, the Bodhisattva is doing this not just among humans, but among animals, gods, ghosts, asuras, Buddhas, bodhisattvas, etc. All beings in the Dharma realm. The, the Bodhisattva looks at them and says, same, no different. Same stuff. The difference is in the superficial parts. The deep stuff is the same. And if I get moved by the superficial stuff into thinking you're an enemy and I have to, uh, I have to react and put you down and call you a name and set you over there, then I'm not seeing it the way it is. I'm seeing it wrong. So this is radical, radical stuff. Um, deep. Right? And it really challenges us to look at the, the foundations of how we build the world among our relationships. If all it takes is somebody to raise his eyebrow at me for me to get all hot and think of ways to get back at them, okay, how, how is it? Today, today, I had to walk over to Shattuck Avenue and uh, came back, having got what I was looking for for, the, for our event. And I got to the corner over here of Durant and MLK. I was waiting for the light. And... I was talking to somebody on my phone. I usually don't talk and walk. I try not to talk with a phone. I think as people, I mean, I'm used to having a phone. I have for about, what, six or seven years now and eight years. And there was 29 years when, as a monk when I said, no, no cell phone for me. Monks shouldn't talk on phones. Okay? You know, they, people see monks talking on phones. They get so... So I cut to the corner, and here are these two guys. These two guys have started drinking early today, right? And they are standing there at the corner trying to keep each other up, and they're kind of weaving back and forth. And they press the button waiting for the light to change, and it changed, and they didn't move, right? They were just pressing the button, you know, watching it change. So I'm st- standing there, and they look at me, and they go, <laughs> look at this good. <laughs> like that. And I'm going... Okay, you know, yeah, omi tofu, you know. And I'm thinking, don't react, you know. It's like, okay, good. Maybe I would have been that guy years ago, who knows. And I do look pretty funny, you know. Maybe it's because I'm talking on the phone and walking there. Maybe if I was just reciting a mantra, they wouldn't see me as much, you know. So I think, okay. And I'm halfway across, and they're laughing more and more and making these comments. Hey, did you see that dude? He looks more like a girl than he looks like a man. Is he a guy? No, he's not a guy. He's bald. Yeah. You know, having a good time. And I feel my temperature. I start to blush a little bit. And I'm thinking, oh, come on. You know, don't react. And it's trying to hold it, trying to just say, the birds are singing. You know, cars are going by. These guys are making noise, they're having fun, they're drunk, you know. And it's like, I'm talking on the phone and walking because I'm busy doing things. And i got to get back, and as soon as I get back, i got to make ten decisions in a row, you know. And 
So it's, and nope, my color rose. I blushed. I did. And I started to think, you, you know what I, I should have said? Oh, man, you know. It's like, no. So at least I got to that point. I didn't, in my mind, I wasn't coming up with the comebacks, you know. And uh, so, but still, I moved. I could feel it. And, and I was, okay, there you go. Your mind is scattered. If I hadn't been talking on the phone and walking, I'm sure I could have kept my, my thoughts tighter. You know? But, so, how hard it is to have in, in the human realm, in the time of the Dharma's end, to really not move. When people right, make distinctions between self and others. Hard. Especially when they say, yo, mama... You know, don't you talk about my mama. <clears throat> right? As soon as you hear that, boy, that is a button. It's, guys, you know what, what I'm talking about. It's like, boom, you can't say that about my mama. Well, why not? You know, your mama isn't that. That's somebody's affliction. Your button is so huge, you could be pushed with a, a sound. You know, right? So, what is at stake in unconditional great kindness. Not so easy. And yet, the Bodhisattva can do it. He says, that's the answer to hatred. What is Tatsu? Is it just some magic state that he's got, but I don't? I think, I think it comes from clear seeing. But you have to clearly see it. What's the clear seeing? You have to look clearly at what I am. One of the practices, one of the contemplations that you do as you meditate is analysis of the body. You start your your edge that you cut with, your, your line that you move through is, who am I? Who is the word. Who's really in there? And you start, and you look, and you're sitting... You go, okay, who is in there getting offended because somebody said, look at the freak wearing a dress? Okay, so uh, let's see. Was it the dress? Am I in my robe? Am I in my shaved head? No, there's nothing, no self there. Am I in my teeth? What's in the teeth that is basically hung sure, right? Irreducibly. No. What about my liver, kidney, spleen, blood, bones, marrow? Can't find it. And you look, and you look, and you, you do it with your breath, you do it in between the mantra, you do it in between the Buddha's name. Who's really in there to get offended when somebody names you something? You look really carefully, and you keep track. You do it the way a disciplined researcher would do, right? This element, that element, this element, that element. You get to the, it's unavoidable to get to the conclusion can't find me. Can't find it. Don't know. Can't find it. I'm looking. I can't find it. You tan, you look into. Who is really in there? You keep going. Pretty soon, you think, well, hey, if I can't find me or anything that is uniquely me inside, what about that jerk who is calling me names? 
which part of him is uniquely him. Can't find it either. So you associate. There's nothing in me that is uniquely mine. You really, you reduce your body, burn it, put it in the, com- in the fire, put it in the, in the, uh, in the crema- crematory, right? What comes out? Ashes. Same. Nothing. There. And everybody is the same. So if you make that conclusion, what you get to is, my Lord, good grief, what are we doing when we fight? Who's in there fighting like cats and dogs? Can't find anybody. So the next step is, why are we doing this? And what's the result of doing it? More fighting. I'll meet you again, and we'll go through this insane wrestling all over again. Right? That's what karma does. We get into a situation where we tie ourselves into hatred that has to come back for round number two, round number, life number three, eon number five. We never discover who's in there, but we don't stop. How strange, right? Isn't that funny? And the Buddha in the sutra says that's what worlds are made of, is the karma that these empty, no-self beings create by banging into each other, especially if we take our lives. (coughs) So there we are. How funny. Comments or questions? Any challenging thoughts that arise as I'm going through this? Anybody? Darius. Okay, so there's a physiological reaction. So Darius says the who for him is actually feeling it in the body. He can feel stress in his chest and then feelings and emotions that register in his head and those, that those are there. Okay, I would challenge back and say, as you sit... You, uh, what you, when you sit long, what you discover is the self is a, it's layers. The self is a collection of perceptions. First one is the body. You're sitting there and you think, okay. My knees hurt like mad. My breath is getting short. I have trouble breathing as I sit here. I'm falling asleep as I sit here, right? So that's all body stuff. And the Buddha described what happens next. If you continue to sit there, he said, one thing that will happen is you'll go through sensations next. Heat 
pain, fatigue. Are these body? Well, partly, but they're also feelings. There's also thoughts there somehow. There's sensations in the body, but there's also thoughts connected to them. Boy, I'm afraid if I sit here, my knee might explode, you know. And I think if I sit here any longer, I'm going to die of hunger. i got to get up because my stomach is growling, etc. So body becomes sensations, becomes emotion. That's the second skanda, the second heap, right? So emotions, fear. Boy, I'm feeling so blissful. I'm just so thrilled. Sitting here is just the most wonderful sensation. I've never felt happier in my whole life, right? Emotion, joy. So you keep sitting, you keep sitting, you keep asking who, who, who. What happens next is you get to a level of thoughts. You can sit, you can say, you know, I've been sitting here for five minutes without any thoughts chasing me around. As soon as you have it, oh, there was a thought chasing me. You can see them rise. You can see them fall. You're in the skanda of thought, right? So my point is to say, what you described as somebody insulting you, feeling it in your heart, feeling it in your head, a Buddhist analysis would say, That's just unskillful seeing of those layers of stuff, combination of emotion, thought, and then responding in the body. That if you sat there and worked on that, chances are you would recognize that that tightening is just a habit, kind of a a, a tightening of a knot, kind of. That if you untie it, you realize nobody home, nobody there. As long as we're only on the level of body and feeling, yeah, my feelings are hurt, I'm going to punch you out. You know, I'll feel better if I do that. Unfortunately, you're doing other stuff too. You're tying a knot with that person you punched out. So, you know, right on. I know what you mean. That's not it either. That's not home yet. More comments, questions? Is, is that Leo? Yes. Uh, you're, you're just a voice coming over the balcony there. So your question was, where do you ask the who? Yes. Okay. Where, physically where, you mean? Uh-huh. Where does the thought come up? Okay. Hmm. Okay, Okay. now, Liu's question is, where do you ask the who as you're sitting there and meditating? Um, That's a Chan question. That's a meditation instruction question. And it's a really good question, an important one, but to give you the answer that you're looking for would take a little longer than we have tonight because that's really a meditation question. And... Liu has been meditating for as many years as the Berkeley Monastery has been here, and I'm not going to fall for that one. I know better. (laughs) Liu has been through many, many states. She's a dedicated meditator. So, um, quick answer. You ask the question in your mind. Okay? That's the quick answer. Where's your mind? Ah. The entire Sharangama Sutra is about where's your mind. The Buddha takes Ananda through seven places. 
The mind isn't in any one of them. So, where do you ask the who? The same place where thoughts come up. Okay? If you're driving your car, somebody cuts you off, and you say, that dirty, rotten son of a gun, that's the place. That very same place. It's no different. It's not magic. It's the same place where you say, I'm hungry. Or, I don't like pho without beef in it. Vegetarian pho doesn't taste really good. Not like it used to, right? That's the place. That very same place. It's no different. So you just ask it. But what you notice about the who is it comes and it goes like any thought. Don't hang on to it. You just say who. You actually look into it. Like, knock, knock, knock. Who's there? You wait, right? You're waiting for an answer. Who's there? Nobody said anything. Uh Uh-oh. Why aren't they talking? That's the way you ask the who. You actually want to find out who's in there feeling fear, feeling bored, feeling angry, right? If you don't get an answer, then no problem. Don't ask it if nothing's happening. You don't go who, 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 who. That's not the way to do it. You ask when you really want to find out, how come I'm so nervous today? I can't sit still. Who's feeling nervous? No answer. Okay? So it's like that. Okay? Master Shrenhua would say, Chan! Go look into it. Chan Huato. Look into it. Don't ask me. You look into it. Okay? Oh, me talk. Okay. Liu has been through many, many states because she actually does sit. She does. Connie. Your, your voice is falling off. You knock, knock on the door, nothing happens, and? Just didn't get it again, sorry. Okay. Okay, you're determined to make it a meditation lecture. Huh? Okay. This, seriously, this is the very stuff that Chan is all about. Um, first of all, the, what I'm describing is the, the method of our school. There are many different kinds of meditation, and our particular school, which is the school of Master Shenhua, and also Master Xu Yun, Master Empty Cloud, this is the, the school of Chinese Chan, Chan Zong. They use what's called a Hua Tou, literally, word head. We say meditation topic. And there's a bunch of them. There's different meditation topics. The one that, that Shifu taught us, Master Shen Hua, was Hu. Nian Fu Shi Shui. Who is mindful of the Buddha? Who is saying Namo Omitofo? Who's reciting the Buddha's name? The important word in that question is Who. So when we're sitting still, and they say walking, sitting, walking, sitting, standing, lying down. Day and night, 24-7, all the time, you keep your mind focused and alert so that when something jumps in that place that I was talking to Liu about, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Something jumps. You get 
irritated. Right there, you go, who's feeling irritated? You ask, and you wait. And if you're looking, that expectant kind of knock, 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 who's there? That expectant interest, okay? Like a scientist looking, you drop the three drops of sulfuric acid into the beaker and you watch, right? Something's going to happen. There's going to turn purple and smoke. Okay, Harry Potter saying, Levitio Perusum, right? What's happening? Right at that, that's how you listen to the who. You're waiting for the answer. Who's in there getting upset? Because why? Ordinarily, the guy didn't cut you off. Are you irritated? No. Well, how come you're suddenly irritated? What's different? Who? Who's in there? So, Connie's question was, what happens next, she said. Well, you keep going. You keep going. You keep looking. And pretty soon, you, you were here when I talked about the uh, discovering that there's nobody home after looking everywhere in your body. The bones, the liquid parts, the blood, the sweat, the tears. The, the warm parts, you look into your temperature, your heat, you look into the spaces, your ears, the skin pores. Who is in there? You look and you look and you look, and pretty soon you realize, gee, I can't find this person who is so important that I get irritated when somebody talks about my mother. You know, why am I so obsessed with this thing that I can't even find? Right? And that's, you keep looking, and you, if you're honest about it in your search, you have to get to some conclusions, which is, maybe this big me in the middle isn't so important after all. Furthermore, maybe everybody's in the same boat. We chase after these huge me's and get in so much trouble, and yet the me is an illusory me. It's a constructed me. There's nothing solid there. At that point, you tend to forgive people more often. At that point, you tend to be what? Kinder to people. Because you realize that having nothing in there, getting angry all the time, getting upset all the time, getting greedy all the time, getting arrogant or self, low self-esteem all the time, is based on nothing, but you're still creating karma, even though there's nothing there. How come we get pushed around by this ghost of me all the time? Isn't that funny? This thing you can't find is somehow in charge of me. How strange we are, says the Buddha. So much so that we mutually destroy each other, says the Buddha tonight. So, if that's the way things really are, and that's what wisdom would say, that the self is an illusory self. Now, if you're applying for a job, it's a useful illusion. Right? If you're going to school, it's a useful illusion. If you're applying for a driver's license, it's a useful illusion. You have something to write down on the form. But don't take it as real and significant. Live a little lighter. Jackson Brown says, take it easy. Take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. 
I should teach them to live in unsurpassed great kindness, says the Bodhisattva. Okay, Connie, that's a long answer, right? Did you check out halfway through that answer? That was probably too long. Yeah. So, lighten up while you still can, says Jackson Brown. Great American visionary. Okay, by golly. Um, We are, tonight, we're going to stop at nine, and now would be a good time to talk about something special. First, first, let us transfer the merit, okay? And then we have something special. It's on the back of your sutra text. Oh, I'm sorry. It's on the back of uh, the insert of your sutra text, Dedication to Merit. You have to make a wish with your mind. After the earthquake and the tsunami, it's pretty easy to think about where we might transfer that merit. So who's transferring merit? Nobody? What do you say? Ooh, nobody, right? But it's still, that's a neat thing. If you understand cause and effect, you do the good things without attaching to them. You still do it, even though you know it's not real. But there are people who commit huge evil deeds with that unreal self, they can use the merit transferred by people who create great goodness with the unreal self. So let's transfer really with an unreal self. Because our hearts are one 
Amen.